Hi, welcome back. This is Dr. Julie Osborne at my CBT podcast, my cognitive behavioral therapy. So I'm happy for you to be joining me today. And I'll talk a little bit about who I am and what my intentions are again for the podcast and how you can reach me and reach out so I can answer your questions and help you learn the cognitive behavioral therapy tools so we can all feel a little happier each day. So I have a private practice in Irvine and I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I have my doctorate in psychology. I've been trained in cognitive behavioral therapy going back to 1997 and I absolutely love it and I feel like it's just been a blessing in my life. I wasn't really searching out for it. It kind of came to me when I was working at UCI and I had to take over a cognitive behavioral therapy group that was run by Dr. Dennis Greenberger, who I ended up getting my training from. And it all just kind of evolved to where I am today. And it's my specialty. And I love it because I just see it helps so many people quickly. And they're tools that you use for a lifetime. And I use them every single day. So if you want to reach me and ask questions or any comments, you can reach me at mycbtpodcast at gmail.com. My website is mycognitivebehavioraltherapy.com. And my phone number is 949-224-3136. So those are the best ways to reach me. And I will definitely be answering questions and focusing on topics that are important to you. My intention on doing a podcast on cognitive behavioral therapy is to be able to teach you the tools that you can actually take and use every day. So at the end of this podcast, my intention would be for you to feel like you have a tool that you can actually use to start changing the way you think and to start feeling better and happier in your life. So just reviewing what cognitive behavioral therapy is, the word cognitive just means your thought process. So the theory is that the way that you think creates your moods, affects your behaviors, and your physical reactions. And all those four elements are connected like a mobile. You can't have one going out without the other. And then the fifth, which is super important as well, is your environment. So that's homework, school, social relationships, any environment that you're in, It's always good to look at yourself and see what parts you're playing, but sometimes the environment can be a huge issue and huge problem that's going on in your life. Like if you're in a hostile work environment, if you're in a relationship where there's maybe domestic violence or addiction going on, different things like that, you need to look at that and say, you know, is this something I need to leave? Is this something I need to set boundaries? You know, what can I do to maybe make the environment better, which will help me as well to make me feel safe or maybe more comfortable? So that's the whole theory with CBT. You have your thoughts, which create your moods, affects your behaviors, your physical reactions, and then your environment's a factor. So what cognitive behavioral therapy teaches us is that the way that we think creates our moods. So we need to know what we're thinking. And we all have 80 to 90,000 thoughts a day that are going on in our head, which is pretty incredible. So we're lucky if we maybe know about 100 of them. And we also need to learn how to figure out what they are because most of us are really in tune to how we're feeling. You know, you know, client like, what were you thinking when that was happening? And usually they'll just say, I don't know. I was just feeling so terrible, you know, or I feeling anxious or, you know, I couldn't think I was overwhelmed. So we're all more in tune to our moods. That's just being a human being. That's just the nature of things, which is fine. But when we have those negative moods, we want to be able to start asking ourselves, what are we thinking about versus just reacting? which is what most of us do. 
I'm guilty as well. So, you know, you'll have a mood and you'll just react. So that's that mood and behavior component. And whatever behavior you choose tends to work, but it's a Band-Aid because that mood keeps coming back. And you just go from mood to behavior, mood to behavior, and you don't really change and get well. And I want to help you change and get well. And to do that, we have to figure out why am I feeling depressed, anxious, overwhelmed, insecure, angry, scared. And then once we figure out what our thoughts are, we can start challenging them and seeing, is my thought really 100% true? Because most of our thoughts are not 100% true. focus today is on depression, which is obviously very, very common. It's the second biggest mental health issue in our country is depression. And it's a really good topic I wanted to to address because there's such a huge range. A lot of times when I've asked clients, you know, are you feeling depressed? They say no, because they're not suicidal. So a lot of people think if you're depressed, you have to feel suicidal. And that's definitely happens for many people, but that does not determine that you're depressed or not. Lots of people have depression and never feel suicidal. So we want to be able to understand, you know, so what is depression and what, and there's different types of depression. And sometimes people don't even realize they're depressed. Sometimes, you know, they, you still function well, you still get up, you go to work, take care of your kids, clean the house, make some meals, pay your bills. So you figure, you know, I'm functioning pretty well, even though I'm not that happy. And that could be some underlying depression going on as well. So we want to understand, you know, what what those differences are. And again, the more we understand ourselves and what's going on and being able to address our thoughts, then that's going to help us make the changes to get us to a place where we can feel happier on a regular basis. You know, happiness isn't a constant, of course. You know, hopefully maybe feeling more content on a regular basis and having happiness throughout our day. But, you know, things happen and we want to be realistic about you know, what, what does our happiness look like and, and what are your expectations and how would you like your life to be? So I want you to make it a very personal um, experience here with the podcast. You know, what are your thoughts that really affect you on a daily basis? And what are your moods and what are your behaviors? What are your physical reactions? And what are the environmental situations that are going on in your life? So if you're not driving and you can pull out a pen and paper, it's always good to start taking some notes because part of cognitive behavioral therapy um, is homework. And why that's such a huge, important factor in learning the CBT is because if you just work on it, say, once a week in therapy or, you know, for our short time together, it's not enough time to really make big changes in your life. And if things are affecting you on a daily basis, you want to be working on it on a daily basis. Even when you're at a place you want to be and you feel happy with life, you're still going to be working every day to keep yourself at that place, right? So I know the word homework doesn't sound enticing (laughs) and I haven't been able to come up with a better word, but it's working on yourself. So if you do have a piece of paper to write down what I was saying earlier, what the CBT is, is write down my thoughts, 
my moods, my behaviors, my physical reactions, and my environment. And again, we're going to focus on depression today and um, be able to identify those aspects for yourself so you can start getting a better idea of, of where you're at. So let me talk about a couple different types of depression. Um, so one depression is what we call an adjustment, which is, you know, life changes, having a new baby, getting married, getting divorced, you know, maybe empty nest, uh, moving away from where you've been living a long time. So there's a lot of different adjustments that we all go through in our life. You know, losing a friendship is another one that, you know, we might have a little depression also, you know, some anxiety as well. And it's an adjustment. So it's something that you still want to address because it's affecting your life, but it's more of mild depression. Then we have major depression, which is what most of us, I think, think about when we hear about depression. And a lot of times, you know, that can be where someone might feel suicidal, but not necessarily. Um, there's also some other, you don't have to remember all these terms, but there's another type of depression called dysthymia, where it's kind of what I was talking about before that, you know, you get through each day and, you know, you're doing okay, but you're kind of blah. You're really not that happy. Things don't bring you much joy. You don't get excited about much stuff, but you know, you're going along and, and things don't seem too terrible, but you deserve more than that. You know, we're not in this world just to kind of get by and just to kind of function and to do the daily routines. You know, life is also to feel joy and happiness and closeness and, and feel loved and have companionship and, and know that there's people out there for you and you can be there for your friends as well and family. So a lot of times I think people get kind of stuck in like things are just going okay. And so they don't push, you know, for more or they might say, well, things could be worse, <laughs> which is true, but for you to hopefully want more for yourself and to push to be able to to address what maybe these thoughts or circumstances that are going on in your life to get a little better. So let me talk about some of the symptoms of depression. One is a lot of times people's sleep gets messed up. You know, may feel insomnia or you might be um, sleeping too much. You know, some people go to sleep for 12 hours a day. So that's too much sleep. Your appetite might change. You might have no appetite or you just can't eat enough. You feel like it's like this bottomless pit that you just can't seem to fill up. Um, a lot of people feel really irritable when they're depressed. Uh, people tend to isolate and withdraw. People lack, you know, motivation. It's hard to focus and concentrate. You might cry a lot. You can have physical reactions as well. Just like in my last podcast, talked about anxiety has a lot of physical reactions, but depression does as well. Um, where you have like muscle tension, you might have headaches, upset stomach, things like that can be part of feeling depressed as well. And just, you know, overall feeling of sadness, not interested in things you used to like to do, decreased sex drive. So there's lots of different symptoms that you might have with depression. And sometimes it's even hard to get up and take a shower and brush your teeth. You know, that that just seems just overwhelming and because you just have no energy and, and no interest. So those are all different symptoms that you might relate to just to kind of give you a feel of what depression is. And when someone is depressed, you know, their negative thoughts just feed on themselves. So cognitive behavioral therapy is the recommended therapy for depression, and it does work really well, and it can work really fast, and this doesn't have to take a lot of time. One thing, too, I want to address that's important, because I see this with a lot of clients that I work with, is people end up identifying too much with their diagnosis. So what I mean by that is, you know, they'll say, you know, hi, yeah, I'm Julie, I'm a depressed person, versus I'm Julie, and I have depression. So when you label yourself your diagnosis, you end up identifying with it too much and holding on to it. And that doesn't really benefit you. And 
I don't even like to get too focused on diagnoses with clients because I don't want that to become part of their identity and who they see themselves. It's just like if you have diabetes, you're whoever you are and you also have diabetes and you need to manage that. So when you have some depression, it's something that you're dealing with and we want to get better and possibly even go away, depending on the circumstance of what you're going through. But you don't want to identify yourself as this depressed person. You know, you're a mom and a dad, your brother, sister, aunt and uncle, friend, a woman, a man. You know, there's so much more to you than just what you're going through. And so that's really important to remember too. So you want to just be careful about how you how you talk to yourself because your brain doesn't challenge you. If you say, you know, I'm no good, I'm not good enough, I'm unlovable, I'm a failure, your brain doesn't say, oh, no, no, you're great. I wish it worked that way. <laughs> I wish our brain could challenge us, but it doesn't. Our brain just hears what we have to say. And that's that cognitive part that it just takes it in. And when you tell yourself that over and over again, because a lot of people, especially with depression, are very self-critical, really negative thoughts about themselves. And that just feeds into the depression, obviously, which makes it even worse. So be careful about what you're saying to yourself and don't let your identity be part of who you are regarding if you're depressed or whatever else that you're going through. Also, I want to address is because a lot of people that are depressed lose their motivation to do anything, a lot of times they'll say, well, when I feel like it, you know, then I'll do that. When I feel like it, I'll, you know, reach out to my friends. When I feel like it, I'll, you know, get back to working out. When I feel like it, I'll start taking care of myself. And I always tell everybody, like, don't hold your breath when it comes to being depressed and motivated. Like, you're not going to wake up one day and just say, yay, my depression's back. Again, I wish it worked that easy, but how that works is we have to have action first. So say, for example, you want to start working out a little bit, but you don't feel like it, right? So you want to just maybe go take a walk, right? Or if you want to go, whatever you like to do, like to ride your bike or go play tennis, or if you want to take a, a class at the gym, it's about my mantra, which is making decisions based on what's best for you, not how you feel. So I'm going to just go take a walk or I'm going to go get back on my bike or do something I used to enjoy. And once I go experience that again, there's a good chance I'm going to enjoy that. And that's going to bring the motivation to go do it again. So that's why it's so hard. You know, being depressed, I say, is like pushing a boulder up a hill because you don't feel like doing anything a lot of times. And it's just taking one small step just to get started. And I want to say, too, with expectations. It doesn't mean just because you do it once, you're going to feel all this joy and all those good feelings are going to come back. It takes time and consistency, but if you know you're doing what's best for you, that's going to help you stay on track and the motivation will start to come back. And I know I talked about more physical activity, but it's even, you know, going out with your friends. A lot of times, you know, when people are depressed, your friends will invite you out and you're just like, no thanks, I'm not feeling good. Or you might make an excuse because you just don't want to be around other people. And the worst thing you can do when you're depressed is to pull back from the support you have. And that's what a lot of people do because they just, again, don't feel like being around anybody or they think they're going to bring everyone down or they don't have anything to give back to anybody because they're feeling so bad. And maybe you don't want to go out with a group of friends, but maybe you want a good friend or someone in your family and you can kind of, you know, share. I'm kind of feeling down. I'm not at my best right now, but, you know, I'll, you know, be nice to go out and, you know, spend a little time with somebody and share with them. You know, most likely you got to give people credit in your life that they're going to be there for you and they'd want to be there for you. Just like you'd probably want to be there for them if they weren't doing that well. So just taking against just some small steps 
and changing the behavior you're doing now, if that is isolating yourself and withdrawing and stopping to do the things that you used to like to do. So I know everything is easier said than done, but it's just important that we start somewhere to be able to do that. So let me start getting in more specific on how you can use the CBT to help you feel better. example addressing depression and the cognitive behavioral therapy of a situation where a relationship's ended. That's something that's really common. It could be, you know, a love relationship, a friendship, anything that, you know, pertains to your life, just as an example. So a situation would be that, you know, relationship had ended and it wasn't by your choice, which is even harder, right? <laughs> when it's not by your choice and someone decides to end the, the relationship. So that's your situation. So we can write that down whatever your situation is to you. And then we want to first start identifying how am I feeling because I'm going through this. So there's hundreds of moods in the world and we don't want to get stuck just on depression as the mood. So depression is a mood, obviously, but we want to also write, it could be sadness, feeling insecure, feeling lonely, feeling overwhelmed with the situation, feeling scared. There's all types of moods that identify our depression as well. And the more specific you can be with your moods, it will help us identify your thoughts more. So let's just, you know, putting down a few. So say depressed, feeling scared, feeling overwhelmed. Anger could be a mood, obviously, as well, too, if somebody ends a relationship. So those are all your moods. And we want to rate how strong they are for you. So 100% is like the most depressed you've ever felt in your life or the angriest you've ever felt or the saddest you've ever felt. So we want to get a range because a lot of times we tend to have catastrophic thinking in all different situations, especially when we're depressed and we tend to just go to the worst case scenario. So that makes it feel like, you know, everything's just never going to get any better and it's always going to be terrible. So when we can rate your moods and we say, yeah, you know, I'm depressed, but I have definitely been more depressed when this situation happened in my life before. You know, that was 100. So I'm pretty sad. This is maybe like a 90 or it might be 100. But you want to just kind of ground yourself with the rating of your moods. You won't do this in the long run when you learn how to do the CBT just automatic. But the rating is really important to understand how strong these moods are. And it's going to be a way for us to measure that once you change your thoughts, if your mood is better, because we're going to re-rate your mood after we change how you're thinking about things. So that's what you want to do after you put your, your moods down. And then we want to start addressing your thoughts. So what would your thoughts be that I didn't see this coming? I'm really sad. I'm never going to meet anybody again. I'm a failure. I'm a lovable. You know, it's all my fault. I'm never going to go out with anybody again because I don't want to get hurt. I should have left first. I should have known this was going to happen. Everybody always leaves me. I'm bound to be abandoned. So I'm just going on and on, <laughs> just showing you, like you can just have hundreds of thoughts in a couple minutes. Our thoughts just, whew, just kind of go. And again, that's why we're more in tune with how we feel because our mind is just kind of racing. 
and having a lot of these negative thoughts. And a lot of times they tend to be about ourselves. You know, some of the thoughts that came up were when I asked myself, like, you know, what does this mean about me? What does this mean about my future? What does it mean about other people? What's the worst thing that could happen? So if I answered those questions, I would say the thoughts that I shared about, I'm never, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? You're like, I'm never going to go out with anybody again, or nobody's ever going to want to go out with me again. Right? What does it say about me that I'm not lovable, that I'm bound to be abandoned? So a lot of times we want to really identify the underlying thoughts that are really feeding our depression. You know, this, the initial thoughts about, you know, this is terrible, this sucks, I can't believe this is happening to me. Those are important thoughts and those are more on the surface. But we want to start working on how to really get to those underlying thoughts. And by asking yourself those questions about, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? Or what does it say about me or my future? What does it say about other people? Those are the kind of questions that helps us get to those real underlying thoughts that are really feeding our mood. And so that's the first step. And take your time. You don't have to do this exercise all at once. If you're in a hurry one day and a situation happens, you know, jot it down because you'll tend to forget. I know I do. If I say I want to address this later and then I can't remember what it was. <laughs> so if you can make a little note in your phone or a little piece of paper. And then maybe you'll just identify your moods and then you'll say, I'll come back and start doing my thoughts, which is fine. And that will be a place you can come back to, or say you start putting your thoughts down and you're saying, you know, I think I probably have more, but I really don't have time to address them right now. Just come back to it. So don't put any, you know, rules regarding when it has to be done or, you know, the time frame. just whatever works for you. I don't want you to look at the homework as a negative thing. Or another thing on your plate, I want you to look at it that this is part of my self-care and this is so, something I'm doing right now to make myself feel better. And again, once you do enough of what we call thought records, when you write them down on paper and identify your thoughts and start working on changing them, the long run, you will not have to write this down unless you want to. Like I don't write them down anymore. It's just in my head. So whenever I have a negative mood, I ask myself, what am I thinking about? And I start figuring out what my thoughts are. And that helps me get out of my negative mood a lot quicker. So that's just the start again. So taking that time to really learn it and it'll just be automatic for you. So let's assume we got all of our negative thoughts down. The next step is you want to figure out which ones are we call hot thoughts. So a lot of the terms I'm using, I want to put out there is from a book that um, I use with my clients called Mind Over Mood. And it's by the person that trained me, which is Dr. Dennis Greenberger and Dr. Christine Podesky. It's my favorite. There's another really excellent book out there, too, by Dr. David Burns, who I've had training with. And his book is called Feeling Good, which is an excellent book as well. Those would be the two I would recommend. I personally use the mind over mood in my practice. So some of the terms I'm using are coming from that book as well. Just wanted to state that. So going back, looking at all your thoughts. We want to figure out now, are your thoughts facts or are they what we call hot thoughts? So I'm going to give you the definition of what a hot thought is and write this down because it's important. So a hot thought is a thought that's not 100% true. It's a thought that's not 100% true. And we have two types of thoughts. So your thoughts are either facts or they're hot thoughts. Those are the two types of thoughts we have. And the hot thoughts are the thoughts that are really fueling these negative moods that we're having. So remember, it's a thought that's not 100% true. So there might be some truth in your hot thought, but there's also parts that aren't true. And those are the thoughts that we're going to challenge and start to change. 
so that you can start to feel better. So what you want to do is go to the top of your list where you started your thoughts and to go through and identify if it's a hot thought or if it's a fact. So if it's a fact, it's 100% true. It's black and white. And those ones we just leave alone. The hot thoughts, I just want you to circle them. So some of my hot thoughts I said earlier were, you know, I'm bound to be abandoned is a hot thought. I'm unlovable is a hot thought. I'm a failure is a hot thought. I'll never meet anybody again is a hot thought. I should have seen this coming is a hot thought. So you'll see as you practice this, what's really interesting, and it's really an exercise in itself, is that when you start identifying all of your hot thoughts, you're going to see that most of your thoughts are hot. And most of your thoughts are not facts. And that's when you can see and say, you know, no wonder I feel so terrible. No wonder I feel depressed and, you know, sad and hopeless and overwhelmed and all the things that you might be writing down based on the way you see how negatively you're thinking. And most of us don't realize how negative we're thinking. And that's why writing it down on paper makes a big difference because we can kind of go through it in our heads, but we won't remember all of the thoughts. And as we're learning the cognitive behavioral therapy, you want to be able to look at all of those thoughts and just see like, wow, I got a lot of negative thoughts going on. No wonder I feel so bad. And most of them aren't even true. So you want to remember that just because you think something doesn't mean it's true. And your thoughts only have as much power as you give them. I think a lot of us assume that because I think something, it must be true. So what am I going to do about it? And we don't stop and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't even know if this is this true. So I have some clients that do really well just being able to identify their hot thoughts. And, some, and they're just able to let that go. Like they don't even have to challenge it. They're just like, well, that's a hot thought. So I don't need to deal with that. And then, you know, they get really good at, at doing that. And sometimes that is enough. A lot of times we still need to challenge it to really change the way we're thinking. But sometimes when you get good at identifying your hot thoughts, that might be enough to see like maybe you're overreacting and that you don't need to even go down that road. So that's why I'm saying there's lots of different avenues with the cognitive behavioral therapy. It's not just one thing that I have to do this whole thing till I feel better. This step might help me feel better. That step might help me feel better. Just understanding what I'm thinking. I remember I had a client once that said, even though I don't know how to change my thoughts yet, I just feel better because my moods aren't controlling my life. I just feel better figuring out what I'm thinking. And I'm like, great. Like that's a first step. So again, we're personalizing this to you and what's going to work best for you. And not every tool that I talk about is going to help you, but many of them will. And you want to figure out which ones are going to help you the most. So this is just the beginning of us learning how to really change our thoughts. And this is a really important first three steps, which is your situation, your moods, and your thoughts. Because if we don't get down your thoughts and figure out which ones are hot, the rest of the exercise regarding doing a thought record, as I mentioned, won't work for you. Because I've had some clients will say like, well, I did this and that, but nothing changed. And I'll ask them, you know, what was the thought you were challenging? And 99% of the time, they actually picked a fact. And that's why nothing changed for them, because a fact's a fact, and we can't change a fact. So we want to identify the hot thoughts and make sure we're identifying our thoughts that are hot and being able to challenge them. You know, it doesn't take long, as I said before, but just the more you practice this, the easier it will get. And then when you feel really solid about, I know what my hot thoughts are, then we can start to challenge them and understand how to challenge them so we can change them and feel better.
So I'd like to leave you today with just, I'm going to review the steps one more time and some other information, how you can reach me, give me feedback, make sure I'm answering questions for you and going in a direction that's helpful. So what you want to do is whenever you're having negative moods, you want to identify what's the situation. Okay. And it could be also just, you know, waking up and in bed in the morning, just feeling depressed. It doesn't have to be a major situation, which is something um, that's really good to understand because I also will have clients come in and say, well, like nothing major happened this week. And I'll say, were you still depressed? And they'll say, yeah. And I say, well, then you have a situation. So it doesn't have to be big stuff. It could be the everyday things, you know, waking up and feeling depressed, you know, um, as you're driving to work, you know, not feeling excited or motivated to be there or assuming it's going to be a horrible day. You know, anything is a situation whenever you have a negative mood. So that's my definition for situation. Whenever you have a negative mood, you have a situation. And I want to add to that, that it can be past experiences you still want to address. It can be current and it could be things coming up in the future. So there's no rules about what you want to work on. If it's affecting your life, then we want to address it. After you identify the who, what, when, and where of your situation, then you want to write down what your moods are, right? And take time and you can look up moods. You know, there's mood lists on the internet you can find and to identify what those are and then do that rating system of like 100% is the most I've ever felt and how strong is each mood. And then the last step for right now is to write down your thoughts and to take your time to really think about that. And a few different ways you can think about or identify, I'm sorry, your thoughts would be looking at your mood list and just ask yourself, you know, why am I feeling this way? And your answer will be a thought. Moods are just one word. So a lot of times we think our thoughts are moods because we all tend to speak. I feel, I feel, I feel. <laughs> and a lot of times when you say I feel is what you're saying is actually a thought. So that's important to just start to be more aware of so you can figure out what your thoughts are so we can change them. So asking yourself, why do I feel depressed, sad, scared, lonely? Your answer will be a thought. And then the third way is to start asking yourself those questions about, you know, what does it say about me and my life? What's the worst thing that might happen? What am I afraid might happen? What does it say about other people? Um, is there anything I did wrong in this situation? So that's another way to be able to identify your thoughts as well. And then obviously anything you can remember that just comes to mind about what you were thinking when that was going on. Once you get all your thoughts down, the last thing we learned today was how to identify if your thoughts are hot thoughts or if they're facts. So remember, a hot thought is a thought that is not 100% true. And a fact is a fact. And you just want to circle the hot thoughts. So what you can take away today is those steps. Also, remember my mantra is make decisions based on what's best for you, not how you feel. And everybody knows what's best for them. So I never answer that question for them. But you want to ask yourself and whatever is best for you, that's, that's the direction you want to go in. Don't make decisions based on how you feel because you won't make good decisions. Okay. So I'm going to give you some more of my information, how to contact me again. My email is mycbtpodcast at gmail.com. My website is mycognitivebehavioraltherapy.com. My phone number for my office is 949-224-3136. I hope you're feeling a little more hopeful and feeling like you have 
a little nugget today that you can take with you to start feeling better and taking better care of yourself and feeling some more joy in your life. So I really encourage you to reach out and um, ask me, again, specific questions or to go over certain things that maybe I didn't clarify well enough or certain topics you like me to address. Because again, my intention is to help my listeners to learn the tools of CBT and be able to use them so you can start feeling better. Because I feel, I believe, not I feel, there I go. (laughs) I believe that if more people have these tools, the world would be a better place. Because I think the world is making too many decisions based on how they feel instead of stopping and, and really thinking about, you know, what are my thoughts and are they even true? And how do I want to change how I'm thinking? which can just help me and my relationships with other people and how I communicate. All of that can be better. um, And we can all live a little happier in the world. So have a great day and uh, we'll talk soon. Whoa, Pole Productions.